Amen. Thank you, Joel. What a wonderful song. Ah, but what a wonderful Savior. Amen. Open your Bibles again to the book of Isaiah, chapter 24, and just mark your place there. Either leave it laying open on your lap or mark it so you can open it. We will come back to this passage, or it'll take a few minutes before we will get into uh, the verses that we read, when I get uh, through the introduction, I want to preach this morning on the subject, Prophecies for Today. Prophecies for uh, Today. Heavenly Father, I pause again to pray, not because I am required to or not even because of habit, but Lord, I pause to pray because of a hunger for the presence and power of our Almighty God, and our service today. As Solomon hungered for your wisdom, I hunger to be filled with the Spirit of God. I pray that my mind, Lord, would be controlled by you as well as the words of my mouth. Lord, we live in sobering days or days that should sober us. And I pray that you'd use the word of God to have our attention this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The Bible is the most amazing book in all of the world. It is amazing because it is different than any other book ever printed. The Bible that we hold is a living book. It is life. The Bible is like a seed. It may not appear to have life, but if you put that seed into the ground, life will come forth. To take the truth of the Word of God and to put it into our hearts and minds, it brings forth life. For it was the gospel that was sown in our hearts and minds, helping us to understand that we're all sinners in need of a Savior. And that it was Jesus that came to die on the cross to pay for our sin. And he not only died on the cross, but he rose from the grave. And we put our faith in that truth, the truth of the word of God, and that gives to us eternal life. I'm glad that we're going to live forever. The Bible is a book of God. This is God's word. It is a divine book. While you may read a book that says the gospel of Matthew or uh, Isaiah the prophet, those were used as penmen to write the words of God. Those are not the words of Isaiah. Those are the words of God through the prophet Isaiah. And so we hold in our hands this morning the very word of God. We hold in our hands this morning unchanging truth. There is a phrase that's used in law school today that's called evolutionary law. Evolutionary law. It's an oxymoron, more of a moron than an oxy, but it is a, uh, it is a word that means changing law. Well, the word law means fixed. It's either fixed or changing, but it can't be both. Often wondered where that phrase oxymoron came from until I learned some of them. But the Bible is unchanging. 
What was true in the days of Abraham were true in the days of Matthew. They're true in the days of Daniel. They're true in our lives today. We hold in our hand the record of creation. It was God that created our world and all that's in it. It is a history book, and I like to say it is his story. That's what history is. It is a book of comfort. It's quite amazing how that book brings comfort. I stood here yesterday and conducted a memorial service for a lady and that had attended our church and had received Christ as Savior. And an interesting story, she came from Germany as a young lady about 20 or 21 years of age. And, and one of the things that she enjoyed doing was traveling. And I listed some of the places in the world that she has been. She grew up in a, a, a beautiful town in Germany along the Elbe River but I said yesterday of all the places that she's ever been or seen, the most beautiful of all is where she lives today in that wonderful land called heaven. The Bible is a book of comfort. The Bible is a book of encouragement. It is a book of inspiration. The Bible is a book of song and poetry. It is a book of love and care. It is a book of instruction on everything that's important in life. In some ways, we look at it and it's very simple. It is so simple that a child can understand the plan of salvation to simply put their faith and trust in, in Him and they can have eternal life. And yet it is so complex. We continue to study the Word of God and we cannot come to the end of truths that are so helpful, that are so wonderful and beautiful in our lives. The Bible is also a book of warnings. It's very plain to see as you go through the scripture, the warnings that are given. And yet to me, one of the most amazing things about the Bible, it is a book of prophecy. Prophecy means to foretell an event or to tell about an event before it takes place. And the Bible is a book of such prophecy. It's not a guess. It's not a Nostradamus kind of a writing. Everything in this book has either come to pass, as prophesied, is coming to pass or will come to pass. And there has been enough already that has come to pass according to the word of God in amazing detail that we do not doubt what he says about the future will follow the word of God just as he said. When God gave the law to Israel, he told them of the things that would bring blessing in their life. He told them that if they would love him and worship him and him alone, since he was the giver of life and blessing, he told them, if you'll obey me, I'll not only bless you, I'll make you a priestly nation and all the nations of the world will be blessed because of your obedience to me. He also told them and he warned them, if you disobey me, the curses that are listed in the Bible, you will experience those. For example, as they were going through the wilderness, God provided water from the rock of Horeb. What an amazing thing. He gave them manna, uh, angel food every morning. Uh, but when they came to the place of complaining, 
they discovered the poisonous serpents that were already there but were protected from them by the hand of God until their complaining took that hand of protection away. You say, preacher, do you really believe that? Oh, yes, I, I believe all the Bible says. I, I believe what the Word of God says. I, I'm reminded, and there are many illustrations that could be used. Benjamin Franklin is often referred to as a deist, believing that God created things, put things into motion, and then there's a, nothing man can do to alter that. Uh, but later, uh, at the uh, Continental Conve uh, Convention, uh, uh, it was he that said, if a sparrow cannot fall without his notice, neither can an empire rise without his aid. I do believe the prophecies of the Bible. It's interesting how some were so specific in their giving. It's interesting when you read about the coming of the Messiah. It's interesting how that uh, the place where he was born, and it didn't just so happen that the circumstances fell in place, but God's prophecies as given in the word of God detailed from the place where Jesus would be born, the angels, the wise men, and all that came in just as God had said, that's exactly how it happened. It's interesting to me to read the book of Daniel and to realize many, many years before it took place, Daniel wrote in Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 7 of the Babylonian empire that would conquer the world. But he said they will not stay in charge forever. Uh, they'll be followed and overtaken by the Medo-Persian empire. They too will fall and the Grecian empire will come in swiftly and thus we learn of Alexander the Great, though his name is not given in the Bible, his behavior, his personality, the swiftness of his work is described in the Bible hundreds of years before it took place. But even the Grecian Empire would not stand. It would be followed by a Roman Empire that was represented by the vision the king saw. And he saw uh, the, uh, uh, the figure of the man. And as it came to the legs, it, re uh, it, it, it uh, represented the Roman Empire that would divide. And then it goes on into further prophecy that will take place. For example... Uh, the Bible tells us that one day there will be a one world government. There will be a one world church, one world bank, one world economy. Now even when I was a child and a teenager and we heard of these things, and they, they were far-fetched. And uh, we thought how could that ever happen? But the truth is all of the prophecies of this book, they are coming to pass. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. When I heard preachers preach about that when I was a boy, disobedient to parents, I thought they better not be. Boy, if they had parents like I do, they wouldn't be disobedient to them. But we live in a day today that the children are pretty well in charge. 
And everything that Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, and on and on, we see those are the headlines of today. The Bible talks about a time that there will be a godliness, a godlikeness without the power of godliness. Or like a baby doll, it looks like a baby doll. I've had lunch many times with my girls and a baby doll or even a stuffed animal. And they set it up there and I'm glad for them to put the food in the plate because I eat it. And, uh, and they, uh, but, but, but they just play like. It's a, it's a likeness of a person. And he said in the last days there will be churches that will, that will have a God likeness or they will advertise church, but no spirit and presence and power of God and imagination of church. As we look at the Bible and we look at prophecies and end time events and the day and age that we're living now, it, 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 you cannot read it without recognizing, boy, that sounds like just what's going on now. The Bible tells us that the work of the Antichrist has already started. And one day an Antichrist will come to rule the world and will have the praise and glory of the world. And the world will be looking for peace and safety. And they'll find somebody that can finally bring the peace and the safety that they've always been looking for. And the world through deception will choose a leader, the Antichrist, that will claim to be the Christ. The Bible tells us about a catching away, what we, what we refer to as the rapture of the church. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that the trumpet of God will sound. We're immediately going to heaven. And friend, that could be today. You understand that when the trumpet of God sounds, the dead in Christ will rise first, then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds. We're going to heaven when the trumpet sounds. Now, those that have never received Christ as Savior, they'll be left behind on the earth. I didn't learn that from a movie. I didn't learn that from a, a story of fiction in a book. I learned that from this book right here. And there will be a seven-year tribulation period, and it will be a time of judgment on the earth. Now, any time God judged the world, he always took his people out first. For example, before Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed, they took out uh, a lot, uh, or they, they, they took out Lot and his wife and family. Before God destroyed the world in the days of Noah, uh, he had Noah to build an ark and gave an invitation for others uh, to come and join him on the ark. But they mocked and they made fun. In fact, Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Uh, there are those today that think that I'm crazy because I believe what I'm telling you right now. But Jesus said that's how it will be. There will be mockers and scoffers in those last days. And they mocked and they scoffed against Noah. But when God closed the door, nobody could open the door. And the world was destroyed by water. They've spent more time trying to discredit the truth of the world flood than they have just accepting the truth 
of what the Bible says. But every time before God judged, before God judged, he took his people out. And while we do see the working of iniquity, we do see the mystery of iniquity, we do see the introduction to the working of the Antichrist, we're looking at our world today and say, why would, why would you do that? We look at countries like Venezuela and we say, why would anybody want the politics and ideology of what destroyed Venezuela? What's the matter? Are we blind? Yes. Blind to the truth of the word of God. A tribulation period will take place for seven years. It's a time of terrible judgment on the earth. And then Christ will come again. There are actually three comings. First of all, Christ came for us. And that's what Christmas is a celebration of. He came to redeem man from his sins. The second time is coming in the clouds to take us to heaven. And then the third time, we're coming with him. And we'll rule and reign on the earth for a thousand years. The destruction of Satan is foretold in the scripture. Eternity with Christ in heaven. No sickness, no sadness, no sorrow, no dying. What a wonderful thing. A preacher friend of mine was preaching on that one morning and he said in heaven there'll be no sickness, no sorrow, no dying. He said there won't be any undertakers in heaven. A man after the service said, preacher, I am an undertaker. I am going to heaven. I'll just have a different profession when I get to heaven than what I have here on earth. But heaven is a wonderful place. That brings me to my text this morning of Isaiah 24. I cannot help but to look around me and then look at Scripture and see when I read Scripture that it relates to what's going on and I look at Isaiah 24 and understand that it was first given toward the nation of Judah, the southern kingdom after Israel had divided and the Assyrians were making their way south. Of course, King Hezekiah, he stopped the coming of the Assyrian army not by might or not by power but by prayer in God and God gave them a reprieve from that destruction but Isaiah said, Judah will one day fall. Now, uh, prophecies like this applied not only to a particular day, they also applied to the coming uh, days of Christ. And there are many, many verses that we could see in the Bible uh, that would compare and line up with Isaiah uh, chapter 24. But as I look at what's going on, not just in our nation, but I look and see what's going on in our world and I think we make a mistake sometimes when we uh, try to understand prophecy by things that are going on just in America rather than things that affect the world. But what's going on in our world, I look at these things and I wonder, certainly it seems like that's going on. Now I cannot tell you Isaiah 24 is describing uh, the year 2020, but I can tell you it is describing a day of judgment in our world and what's going on around us certainly gets our attention when we look at the verses. Look at verse number 6, for example, Therefore hath the curse devoured the earth, and they that dwell therein are desolate. Uh, therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned and few men left. There is a... This curse that devours the world, it's a combination. 
And uh, we'll see uh, later in the message tonight, it's a combination not only of something that is real, but something that is magnified beyond reality to the place that the, that the response to the, uh, to the uh, sickness is even worse than the sickness itself. Can I tell you something? Fear has absolutely grabbed a hold of our nation almost to the place of paralyzed. I'll come back to that later on. But he talks about a curse that devours the earth. Uh, Verse number 7, the new wine mourneth, the vine languisheth, all the merry-hearted do sigh. Wine is a sign of joy and gladness in the Bible. And here the new wine is unused or it is mourning. The opposite is taking place because of something going on in the world. There is a presence of fear and trepidation, a feeling of fear, agitation in our land today. Uh, The mirth of tabrets cease. The noise of them that rejoice endeth. The joy of the harp ceaseth. And that pretty well describes what's going on in our nation today. Nothing. Entertainment, venues, stadiums, entertainment is quiet. It's quiet today. Verse number 9, they shall not drink wine with a song. Strong drink shall be bitter to them that drink it. So interesting that alcohol is always a part of of. of of what goes on in the last days. There are basically two reasons that people drink alcohol. One is to, one is to bring a false joy, and the other is to drown sorrow. Here it is described as bitter. There's no joy. Everything we do, we have a fear, we have a concern about what we, we've never faced what we're facing today. Preacher, is this the day that Jesus is going to come? I, I don't know. I know it could be. There is no prophecy that needs to be fulfilled that would prevent the coming of Christ. But I do know things are pretty quiet, not only in America, but across the world. It takes a pretty powerful, it takes a pretty powerful force to close the football stadiums. It takes a pretty strong fear to close the places of entertainment where tens of thousands of people will go. But fear or something is going on in the earth according to Isaiah chapter 24 uh, that there is no entertainment and the stadiums are empty and the coliseums are empty. By the way, Japan is just supported or, or just reported, Japan is just reported that their suicide rate is higher than their COVID death rate. It's more among young women is the highest numbers, young women in their 20s and 30s. I read a particular story, and this is anecdotal, but it is a part of of, uh, what's going on there. Uh, but a young woman that made just enough money to pay her rent and buy her food. She just lived day by day like that, but now all of a sudden things are closed down, and she's behind on her rent. She doesn't know where she's going to go. She doesn't have money to buy food and, and thoughts of stealing, and then the day came. She just
just committed suicide. No reason to live. Now, can I tell you something? Anytime there's the thought of suicide, the work of the devil is involved. Jesus came that we might have life and that we might have life more abundantly. I'm glad I have eternal life in heaven and I love the songs that say when I get to heaven I'm going to shout and I am but I'm going to shout along the way because I'm having a pretty good time right now. And it's interesting when you go to verse number 10 the city of confusion is broken down. Every house is shut up that no man may come in. The city of confusion. We've never had more confusion you can quote the CDC on anything. CDC say lollipops are bad for you and they also say they're good for you. I mean, I mean they, they, they say it's, it's a time of confusion. These ten doctors say this is wonderful and these ten say no, it's not wonderful, it's a curse. These ten doctors say the vaccine is exciting and these ten doctors say the vaccine's worse than the sickness. That's where we live today is in confusion. We're confused from all of the different areas from medicine to science and all of that is in a constant state of change. And I sure am glad this morning that my faith is not in something that changes. But the truths of this book are eternal. They never, ever change. It's interesting, one political party says one thing and the other political party says and does the opposite. Confusion. Masks, mandates, unemployment, election fraud, on and on. Every house is shut up. That's interesting. Safe at home is the cry of today. Safe at home. Every house is shut up. We were even told that we could not have any more than eight people at our Thanksgiving dinner. That's what was recommended to us. So I told my mother-in-law, who was making the turkey on Thursday, I'll be bringing a funeral sermon for that turkey on Thursday, and you can have 25 people at a funeral, only eight at Thanksgiving, so we had a funeral for the turkey. And so... When you think of things, they're just, they're just mass confusion. By the way, the devil is the author of confusion. Jesus is the giver of light. Jesus shows us the straight and narrow way. Jesus comes to give us light. Jesus gives us joy, gladness, happiness. All of these things are the work of the great conspirator, the work of the devil. Look at verse 11. There is a crying for wine in the streets. It's interesting that across the country, churches were seen as not essential, but alcohol was and is. Even right now, it is recommended that we not have church today. 1,700 people attended the gambling place down in western Kentucky this past week, 1,700. Hundreds and thousands. Oh, and they can stay open because they have the wherewithal to keep folks safe. 
church one hour out of 168 hours in a week and it's recommended that you and I not meet. It's interesting when you read this passage of scripture, there's a crying for wine in the streets. All joy is darkened. The mirth of the land is gone. While we're being told to be safe at home, they're lined up at the liquor stores to not get joy, but it seems to drown sorrow and fear has replaced the joy. Look at verse number 12. And the city is left desolation. The gate is smitten with destruction. Many of our cities today, businesses have been looted. Now, business owners have been cited. But looters have been praised as patriotic. Buildings have been burned and filled with destruction. Crime is open and our cities are filled with violence. I've visited some of these cities, others I've seen the pictures and videos as, as you have. But the different places in New York, I saw one video where a man stole something in a box. I don't know if it was a television or a computer, I can't remember. And he, he, he goes through a broken front window in the store and he comes out with a, with a computer box or a television box, but he doesn't get 25 feet down the street until he's mugged and they take it from him. That fella doesn't get 25 feet before he is mugged and they take it from him. Our nation was built on a work ethic where you work for a living and you make money and you, and you earn and you save and you make purchases. There was a time you didn't have to, I mean, there were places in our, in our nation, you didn't have to worry about safety, you didn't have to worry about locking your doors. But from New York to Wisconsin, Baltimore, Oregon, Seattle, Atlanta, Chicago, Louisville, it's just what verse number 12 says. Now, I have to show you this this morning. In verses 13 through 16, there is some happiness that goes on. In the midst of the judgment, we find a positive note which comes from the righteous remnant. Verse number 13, he talks about the shaking of that olive tree. And then verse number 14, and they shall lift up their voice. They shall sing for the majesty of the Lord. They shall cry aloud from the sea. Wherefore glorify ye the Lord in the fires. May I say there has always been as God rescues his children before he brings judgment there's always those people of faith that no matter what's going on around them they're still saying well praise the Lord God's still in control why wow, they took the three Hebrew children and threw them into the fiery furnace and the king in anger put them in there but when he looked inside of the fires of the furnace he said did we not did not we throw three men bound into the fire and lo I see four and the fourth is like unto the son of God they beat Paul and Silas and they threw them in the prison the Bible said they beat them and then they put them in stocks and bonds and they put their hands and their feet so they could 
could not move after being beaten and no doubt uh, they're in pain and agony because of what they've uh, gone through. And yet at midnight I hear a sound of praise. I hear Paul and Silas singing uh, about the glories of an almighty God that while we may lose our temporary life here on earth, we're going to live for all eternity and for me to Live is Christ and to die is gain. And in the midst of this judgment, we find a group of people at church and we find a group of people assembled and they're still praising God because no matter what the devil does, we know the prophecy in the end, the old devil's going to be thrown into the fiery furnace. The Bible says the angel comes from heaven having the key to the bottomless pit. You talk about defeated. The devil doesn't even have the key to his own apartment. And in the midst of fear, in these verses you find faith. And in the midst of sorrow, you find a song. And in the midst of worry, you find a righteous work. And while there are those that are longing for a reprieve from pain, there are those that are looking for the return of Christ and his power. I'm going to finish tonight, but there's some things. I'm going to have you to stand right now. There's some things that are going on in our country that sound really good. For example, you may hear folks say, my faith teaches me, and then turn to preach to you and I what their faith teaches me. Now, what my faith is is what I believe. That's what they're saying. But it's not what my faith teaches me that matters. It's what the Bible teaches me that matters. What God says that matters. And there are some... Think about this. There are those that can be led into deception with the words of faith. Hitler made one of his first speeches to 4,000 people. In a beer hall, the 4,000 people. You know what he said? Christ came as a great liberator of the world. And he brags on Jesus coming to be the great liberator of the world. And then he said, but those Jews killed him. Therefore, we must annihilate the Jews and I'll give my life to get rid of those Jews and thus millions were killed. And it began with saying Christ came to be the great liberator. He didn't care about Jesus. He knew the truth. He didn't care about Jesus. He was using that as a tool to serve Satan. I'll tell you more about that tonight. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you ought to trust Christ as your Savior today. I would not want to live a day on this earth knowing that Christ's return is soon to come and not trust Him. You ought to trust Him as Savior today. As God's people, we ought to be yielded to the will of God. And there ought to be a singing in our heart and a gladness to know that we in fact are on the winning side. Heavenly Father, bless our invitation, I pray. I pray that we would respond to the working not just of the audible voice that we hear from the preaching but the still small voice of the Holy Spirit that works in our minds and works in our hearts and has in these few moments. May we hunger to be in the center of your will. Bless our invitation in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.